the Super Hot Bad Guy Podcast, the place where we talk about the bad guys and gals from films and TV and discuss why we find them so sexy. I guess it needs saying that sometimes this show gets a little not safe for work, but we'll leave that to your discretion. We do discuss mature topics and just hope you enjoy. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Blake. Natasha Baptiste. And Markella Dykvis. What so, have you been up to? Um, a lot. I think we were both moving around the same time, yep. which kind of sucked. That's um, been our absence the last <laughs> last month there. Yeah. I had a family reunion two weeks ago in California, and then I went to like a hair show thing last weekend. So it's been like a ridiculously busy month and a half. I saw that you know one of my friends who's a model, and I'm guessing mm. you met her through the hair modeling type stuff. Her name is Amanda. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amanda. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I met her through, no, actually, she, a mutual friend of mine that's like still one of my best friends from high school. So we also have friends in Portland that moved from Kansas, and she's from oh. Kansas. And so, like, oh. we, it's like a weird random puzzle That's how awesome. we know her. I but, saw it. It was a picture yeah. of you, but from her Facebook, and I was like, um. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I read that. And you were like, how do you know yeah. Natasha? Seattle's a smaller place like, than I. How do you know Markella? <laughs> assume. Was there anything else? I Some of the fashion show photos you posted were really fancy. It was super cool. It was like a competition thing. So one of my friends who works for another good friend of mine, like Salon, was a finalist. And so we all went to like Vegas to see how he would do. Oh, yeah, you went to Vegas. Yeah. And, um, were you in a, like a bikini and like at the pool? I saw like a pool photo. No. Or was that just totally, the hotel? Yeah, I was at the pool, but I'm like not a swimmer. So I just kind of chill and drink at the side underneath like a thing so he competed and then i guess it's through like the color line we all use and so there's a bunch of like their top color people were putting on shows as well two of them were super boring and i mean they were pretty but that was about it and then there's two that loved and it was like this apocalyptic like crazy I think that's what I saw because it was very avant-garde. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody was covered in dirt. Everything was ripped and covered in dust. And, like, their hair was all dusty. They had, like, weird, like, stuff, like, glued onto it. Um, And then the other one was, like, the punk. This guy did, like, total 80s England punk, Mm -hmm. like, scene. Nice. And it was super cool. And it was all stuff... Like, the first one, the popular one, like, I would never see anybody walk out. People would think you're homeless. But, like, the punk (laughs) one, I could legitimately see any one of those people walking down the street. And it would just be like, oh, you're punk. Some of those avant-garde looks are just for, like, inspiration for when Mm -hmm. you go to a theme party or a festival. Oh, totally. Halloween. Or Halloween, Yeah. 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 The other ones were just kind of, like stuff you could do in like 10 minutes it's like braids with hooks on them it wasn't really all that fascinating i don't know what braids with hooks on them means oh it literally <laughs> what it sounds like cornrows with hooks i mean that's all it kind of was what do you mean by hooks it was like these metal brackets that they just kind of hooked in between the braids and that their piece since this is a hellraiser podcast <laughs> i'm thinking hooks like bad hooks no it hooks. was not like in a cool way it was just like <laughs> okay it seemed like their first idea and they ran out of time so they just kind of went with it but that i just saw this cool. movie hook what if we did hooks <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I just saw Hook, so when you say Hooks, I'm picturing, like, Captain Hook. Captain Hook. Yeah, I know. I totally was, too. Eric, how was your moving? My moving was pretty good. I uh, traveled pretty light, so I haven't lived in town long enough to accrue, like, a bunch of stuff. I actually got rid of a couple of project bikes. Are you, like, downtown now, or, like, I'm in Capitol Hill? Hill, yeah. Oh, nice. 
So what besides the moving kept you from last month's podcast? Besides that, uh, it really was the moving, packing, like getting everything cleaned up for the person taking over my room. And on top of that, I was also working on armor as much as I could because my old place has a nice workshop and my new place is a smaller, you know, apartment situation. So I got just about everything done on the armor and did my first round of approval pictures. And then when I moved... I had to go back and do armor like when I could find time. And I actually just finished sending in my second round of approval pictures. So the Stormtrooper might be so involving. It's crazy. When you first brought this up, I thought you meant, oh, I'm building Stormtrooper armor from scratch. And I'm like, oh, like Ikea. Like, it's like Ikea. (laughs) It's not like that at all. Kind of. I mean, the building part of it, there are definitely prescribed methods for getting everything correct. The approval part is just more bureaucratic. You're just kind of giving, getting everything in line, making sure everything looks good and screen accurate. And then they're like, okay, go help kids. And I'm like, yay. And then That's I awesome. do. Your gloved fingers are like, yay. <laughs> it's like up in the air. Yeah. My brother just did the Weird Al show. So he was on stage as one of the dancing stormtroopers. And like, wow. I guess some of them were doing jazz hands. And I was like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> A lot Looks... of people went to that show. Yeah. I guess he did the double show in Seattle because it always... He can sell both out usually. He's definitely been one of our sort of heroes since we were young. Yeah. So to get... I'm glad that he's still around. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't get my armor in time to go do that. But I know for Aiden, it was pretty cool because, you know, we've listened to him elementary school on. And oh, for like sure. There are yeah. jokes of his that carry on through your adult life, I think. Yeah. And I've played in a, a band with people who are really inspired by him and did sort of a joke hip hop kind of band mm-hmm. where they would also do a lot of satire in their own way. And it was certainly inspired by him. So what's that film he did? Uh, YHF? Yeah, U- uh, UHF. UHF. So yeah. I just saw a film with Jeffrey Jones and John Ritter. And it's, it's called Stay Tuned. It's from 1992. Uh-huh. And it's the it's identical. It's like the same concept. Hmm. UHF was good. I just saw that for the first time a year or two ago, like right before moving out here. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I think so, too. I, I do need to rewatch it, though. But, uh... Yeah, so it was really busy between June and July for all three of us. And I was just kind of... I did my whole like, oh, poor me, I have a back injury thing where I was just staying home. and But then I started going back out again and I've been to, I kind of did the rundown on the last podcast, but I had this like tally of like how many birthday parties I've attended and like all of these events and stuff. But I really wanted to talk about... um, Because that's how you know when you're rehabilitated. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can't like go out and go dancing or anything, but I can definitely Uh. stand and sit in groups of fun fun (laughs) i think it was the beginning of june they had the seattle crypticon which i'd been hearing out about for years but i always it was one of those situations where i assumed it would be so expensive that i would feel bad that i couldn't go so i just didn't want to even see it like out of sight out of mind and i went and it was 30 dollars for a day which is horrendously that's a good price yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and um I am really caking myself for never going before. So in the past, I think, five years, our Seattle Crypticon has had Joe Bob Briggs from TNT's Monster Vision, and they've had uh, Jeffrey Combs, and I don't think Barbara Crampton was there, but basically the um, 
the immediate cast from Reanimator. Uh-huh. And a lot of actors that I really regret not seeing. When I went this uh, this last time, I got to say goodbye to Tony Todd from Candyman. Wow. And he mm. was very tall and very intimidating. And he had a scarf on over his like really expensive coat. and But not like a scarf to keep warm. It was like a fancy scarf. Oh, yeah. And uh, I I was getting in the elevator. He was getting out. And everyone was just like, ah, ah. Like nobody was like swarming or anything. But like people were just like, ah, ah, it's, ah, it's Tony Todd. And uh, he was leaving. And I was like, thank you so much for coming. And he like turned around. And he was like, he said this like amazing goodbye. And I like leaned over and like waved to him. And I was just like, I made him happy. <laughs> you stay on the good side of Tony Todd. Oh, He's yeah. tall and oh, intimidating. He was very intimidating to me. We should have like, him on to discuss his villain. No oh, way. Yeah. I would be terrified. <laughs> and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it, trust me. Um, uh, he did Crypticon. Well, that's different. But uh, um, who's the guy from Alien that was the... The robot. He's like an older gentleman oh, now. I don't know his name, but I know who you're talking about. Crap. Because he plays the android, and then he the plays, android, yeah. Uh, in one of the later movies, I don't remember if it's Alien versus Predator. Oh, really? He's in I, there. I again? think in Alien versus Predator, he basically plays the. He has fair hair. He's thin. Yeah, he plays the scientist who will go on to develop the company that creates that android. Mm -hmm. So he that's oh, they got that's the same act. Hilarious. Yeah, oh. because yeah. I'm assuming that's the funny. android is based on his features. Yeah, that's a good way to tie that's that in. That's the joke. That's the joke. Uh, and then I saw, I met, oh jeez, I met Mark Patton from A Nightmare on Elm Street too. <laughs> he played Jesse. Nice. And uh, he's, he is older now for some reason. I pictured everybody the way they should look nowadays, but for some reason when I think of that actor in my head, I think of Jesse from what, 1985 oh. <laughs> or 6 or whenever that film came out. And uh, he looks like, a lot well different from a You should have just ago. told him, you, you haven't aged a day. He has a book out and I believe he's working on a, a film documentary of basically, because he's considered the first male scream, scream queen of horror films. He was the first like guy to be in that role. Oh, and funny. I just... I just stood there and I gave, I just kind of gushed over him and he accepted it and um, <laughs> I shook his hand and I... Did he have a ring uh, which you could kiss on one of his fingers? I would have <laughs> loved to do that if that wasn't creepy. <laughs> but uh, I, I tried to make him feel uh, my love for him. <laughs> Elvira was there and she... Oh, that's cool. Uh, interestingly like enough... not cheap to get to conventions because she's amazing. Not. She's actually been to the the Crypticon before. Oh, cool. But um, ironically, since I was just talking about people that have changed so much since their roles, she actually looks exactly like she did the same. Yeah. in her films. Anyway, but I would suggest anyone in an area that has a horror convention, just check on the prices. You might be surprised and you won't regret it when you go there. There's a lot, there was a lot of art there, like horror art. There was a lot of like VHS swap stuff. There was a lot of like handmade horror 
stuff that's not like hand drawn art. I forgot to yeah. like, ask if you got anything cool there. I did. I got I got a couple of drawings from someone. So if you're especially in Seattle, come to Crypticon. Oh, and then they have like all these talks and stuff. I'm going. I'm going along on this. Sorry. It was just really great. <laughs> and then I also went to a really quick. I went to a cosplay. My first cosplay ever, and I cosplayed Herbert West. <laughs> and now I'm like head over heels in love with Jeffrey Combs and his little tiny like scientist that's like obsessed with death and he's so he's like my big hero right now. Yeah. So today we're talking about Pinhead specifically. I guess we can start with like who he is and what he looks like. But I, I do wanna say that after watching these films, there is there are a lot more villains in these films than oh, yeah. just the Cenobites. Yeah. The first one I was like, you see Pinhead for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not even the but, villain. He's oh, more no. he's like a completely morally I feel ambiguous like side character. The third movie, yeah, total villain. But the first two People oh, say that like the Frank and what's her name? People say the third one kind of ruined it. Like they kind of threw them into Julia. like a monster role. Their goals changed. Like uh, in the first two films, they were just kind of there, yeah, like they don't as have bystanders. Goals. Like they yeah, just they, are they keep they are. the moral fluid, the way of the universe going how it should. Like they're just yeah. like cogs in the I machine. I almost feel like they're that. they're they're like firefighters or something. Like they're yeah. sitting around in hell, like doing what they do, and then yeah. they're like, oh, we got a call. Like kind of like yeah. Ghostbusters, where they're like. They suit up and then yeah. they go through the box. They go deal with yeah. humans. Yeah, onto Earth and they, they have to fucking do their job. Um. I feel like it was a good segue in bringing him more into the picture, though. Like, at the end of the second movie, we separated the two or whatever. And then he was like, okay, my evil self. Specifically, Pinhead, who wasn't actually called Pinhead in the original film. He was just lead dude. Yeah, it sounds like that was a crew name that mm -hmm. kind of stuck. And I don't know if, do they call him Pinhead? I don't think throughout the series they actually call him that, do they? I don't think anyone he's, ever calls any of them by name. He's the character known as Pinhead. Yeah. We, yeah, we call him Pinhead. But he is technically a demon because he's from hell and their order is called Cenobites or they are referred to as Cenobites. Cenobites. I guess that's how that goes. And um, he does have a human origin story. They kind yeah. of refer to themselves as angels. And so, as far as the origin story, mm -hmm. the person that he is is Captain Elliot Spencer, who was in his 40s. He was like knocked off in like World War II or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And uh, he's inhabited by Shipe Totec, which is an Aztec deity who like flayed himself for like to give them good crops. And then he also wore like flayed skin on his body. So I don't know if it was like he flayed himself and then people sacrificed other people to give him flayed skin to wear. But that's the only connection I can make for their choice in which deity inhabited Elliot's body to create Pinhead. But I was thinking about, so I watched Hellbound last night and it shows Pinhead as his human form, Elliot. And he's not, he's kind of ugly. He's not, yeah. for, he's not for me. And um, the Shipe Totec. There's just like kind of Aztec looking pictures and this doesn't sound very attractive, but I guess when you stick both of them together, they make a pretty uh, sexy man. Maybe. <laughs> Gotta take some liberties there because then it's like, wait a minute, but did the Aztecs have a hill? Well, no. I mean, so first of all, we're going off this podcast. I'm assuming neither of you got a hold of this either, but there's actually an 11 hour documentary on the first two Hellraiser films. Mm -hmm. So... Oh. 
Anybody listening to this that has watched the 11 hour documentary on the first two Hellraiser films? Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure you know much more about this film series than we do. I did try and get a hold of it. I had no the, idea there was an 11 hour. Yeah, I found out a couple weeks ago and I took it for granted. I didn't actually like look into it until literally last night. Because I, I assumed that if I couldn't find it online, that I would be able to rent it from Scarecrow Video, which FYI, if you don't live in Seattle, our Scarecrow Video has, it is or it used to be and is one of the largest film libraries in America. So I don't know if there's a larger one in the world, but they pretty much have every title ever released to video. So we're really lucky in that respect, but they actually do not have this one. So this documentary is called Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser 2. It's an 11-hour documentary, and it's region-free, but it's made in the United Kingdom and came out April of last year. But the reason why I couldn't get my hands on it sooner was I was lazy and I discovered last night that all the shipping orders aren't out until August 17th. Um, but yeah, hopefully somewhere in there it kind of explains why this Aztec deity was chosen to kind of be the face of this like kind of Hollywood monster. was just super into it. Yeah, this like, like 80s like, oh, Hollywood monster that we all kind of know and love. There's was that Aztec in the fourth craze. one? The deity i don't think that's ever in the movies this is something that i think is coming straight from wait when did that happen (laughs) it must come straight from the mouth of uh clive barker or something because this is all online yeah but i don't think they ever stay in the movie but but what i noticed what kind of caught my eye about this was that in bloodlines the hellraiser 4 there's a demon that they focus on named angelique and she's a princess in hell and i'm so totally into her because she is actually kind of in charge of pinhead like she can tell him what to do and he kind of takes orders from her and at the beginning of that film they mention that she is a demon like a prior demon that took the body of the woman that's in the film. And which leads you to the understanding that all of the Cenobites are actually just people who have like demons like in them. And they they actually kind of show that in in Hellbound because at the end of the film, um, the Cenobites are all transformed into their prior selves. So what else? Uh, What does Pinhead look like? The name says it all. Yeah. He has pins in his head. Yeah. Gray skin, so you kind of assume it's either some sort of deceased Mm -hmm. body of some sort. Everybody, for the most part, has like leathery clothing. He has, Pinhead like has strips of leather kind of like interwoven like around his stomach area with flesh wounds in there. He's very like calm and elegant. And in that, I read that in Clive Barker's book, He's sort of a minion that doesn't have any lines, isn't a main character, and he has pins through the tongue, and all the pins in the head are all jeweled as well. So it's sort of a more fetishized or like romanticized torture in that, whereas it's a little more industrial. I don't know if I just completely skimmed over that entirely, but I read the Hellraiser book, and the to my memory, the only Cenobite that was described was a female Cenobite, but I don't recall the others going into any. I don't remember like a jeweled See, he's person either. But I, I've a heard follower of the engineer. I've yeah. heard what you're talking about. I haven't read the book, but I, I don't remember it in the book, which is interesting. And Pinhead has only been really in one book, which I started reading. It's Clive Barker's newest book, and it took this character from the film Lord of Illusions. Uh, huh. And he's been at, 
I can't remember, I can't recall his name, but he's a detective and he's been in like five of Clive Barker's short stories or books. And one of them was Lord of Illusions, which was the film in the 90s. And his his last book is this detective character and he's like up against Pinhead. So Clive finally actually gets to like write out how Pinhead is. I, I haven't read that far into it yet, into the book yet. So drop the ball. <laughs> so he's very calm and elegant. And one thing I picked up since um, since I started rewatching these films in, uh, I think in the beginning of high school, I started, I really got into horror again, I want to say like right off the bat in high school. And so what I used to describe to people is that in Hellraiser, the, the monsters, you can like talk to them. And you can say, you can like hold out your hand and be like, wait, like you can bargain with them and stuff. And I saw a lot of people online like kind of reaffirming how I would describe them. But there's a lot of bargaining, especially like throughout the series in Bloodlines. So Eric and I were actually just watching some clips from Bloodlines before we started recording. And there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of Pinhead just kind of hanging out and talking with humans and like kind of waiting for shit to happen. As shitty as Bloodlines is, I would describe Bloodlines compared to the rest of the the films in the series as kind of like a Cenobite, like melodrama. Like it's it's more of like a drama. Like there's a lot of discussion. They're trying to keep like the order of the world going. And that's the one where they have to do the most work. Whereas in the first movie, they're not doing a lot of work because it's kind of unfolding without their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And they have to come in and sort of help clean things up at the end. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I was younger, I remember getting really into Hellraiser and it was mostly because of the the ideas that come from behind what the movies kind of touch base on. So if you put together the second film, which is you see a lot of what hell looks like, you see all their corridors and their big grand like Leviathan jewel in the middle and you see how big their world is. And then in the fourth film, you see a lot of them talking about like Penhead is talking to Angelique and he's like, princess, hell's been really boring since you left. My little like 14 year old mind was just like, wow, what? Can't there be like a whole movie just about the Cenobites talking and a hanging good out? Day in hell. <laughs> yeah, just like being in hell and like chilling out and doing work. <laughs> um, there's actually some comic books some Hellraiser comic books where they show a lot of them hanging out in hell and like there's like a death for Cenobites where this Cenobite kind of got, turned into like a what are those pianos that are in churches that have the organs. big oh. organs yeah he gets turned into like a flesh organ and Pinhead is just like hanging out and he's like playing the organ and he's talking to him and Pinhead is like the storyline is like Pinhead is getting like really bored in in hell and he wants to do something so he's trying to be a human again just to do something and the organ cenobite is just like you suck you're gonna be like me you're gonna fail you're gonna turn into an instrument down here and then you'll really be bored because look at me and pinhead's being all like suave and he's just like playing the organ and he's like (laughs) i'll do it just watch (laughs) it's so cute it is a playful series as disgusting as it is I liked how you could bargain with them, but I felt like every time they would say, like, what was about to happen, I was like, that's sound reasoning. In the I know. first movie where she's like, don't take me, like, I know where Frank is, but they have rules, dude. But Kinda they're, sucks. like, angrier. <laughs> they're like, that soul escaped. We're getting that guy back. Like, he, he broke the natural order. So they're like, yeah. okay, we'll make that deal. You know, I like their kind of, like, logical just... <laughs> imperative. 
She's like, I didn't open the box. They're like, we don't give a shit. It's open. So you're coming. It's <laughs> hoax for you. I am actually a little bit fuzzy on those rules because in the first film, okay, they listen to Kirsty like a little bit. Like they go after Frank and they do that little bargain with her in the hospital room. But then afterwards when they catch Frank, especially the female Cenobite, she's just really into, well, you're here. So we may as well get you too. Like it doesn't, she tells her it doesn't matter and, and they're going to go after her anyway which kind of goes against the general consensus of oh you can bargain with them and they they'll leave you alone i think a lot of that sentiment happens more throughout the series mm. yeah and i mean but they are monsters i mean you have to they gotta be bad sometimes yeah <laughs> i don't know i the female cenobite is she's actually a pretty interesting character and Again, with the comic books, I don't know if they're meant to be canon or not, but in one of the comics, there's actually a romance between the female Cenobite and Pinhead. Like, they call each other lovers, and they kind of caress each other tenderly, and they kind of act each other like... Apart? No, not <laughs> But the... they're all about... See, they're all about it's the implied. pleasures of hell. Like, I, one thing I thought was funny about the first movie is that, like, the puzzle box... I don't think they bring it up much later, but the puzzle box is supposed to open up the pleasures of heaven or hell, except it wouldn't be that great of a movie if they'd opened the heaven one it'd just be porn i suppose like just very mm -hmm. well lit they say heaven or hell in the first movie but like so frank opens up the pleasures of hell which is all the sadomasochistic being torn apart stuff so if you're lovers in hell wouldn't you just like tearing each other apart every night having a laugh yeah so or are they just bored with that it's dirty to just spoon because <laughs> they're just like oh this is so normal oh god <laughs> So, so normal right now. a lot of people call to attention how sadomasochistic the film itself is. Like, never mind the characters in the film. Like, the film itself is supposed to be, like, art of that. And um, the original... I just found this out. I'm sure a lot of people already know this. But the original title of Hellraiser, the film, not the book, was supposed to be Sadomasochist from Beyond the Grave. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that's a title for a movie that in 1988. That is Frank, 100%. That's kind of the... Yeah. Like, he's just a really taboo guy. And there's like... The movie has a lot of sort of taboo stuff. I mean, as far as the affair between Julie and Frank. And Julie is essentially, you know, helping her lover by trying to get him resurrected throughout the movie. So like, just sort of taboo cheating on the on her husband like that whole time and then when frank comes back he's like a little more interested in the daughter and it's like oh yeah oh frank weird. that's his uh niece or niece yeah, yeah his niece yeah, sorry yeah, his niece. i focused on the daughter by which i mean yeah yeah, yeah. no no i knew his, that's what uh, you meant but i was just yeah. making I that connection her a little bit more especially in the second film i, I love like christy i love christy so well much. not some well yeah i like christy but i mean julia oh, i like her character a little bit more in the second film because i, I felt Frank, she's a good villain to do at yeah, one point. Yeah, she was super, she was a great villain. And Frank just seemed, like, he bitched a lot. Like, when he came back, oh, he was he's just such like, a lazy help bum. me. And then he was just like, ugh, he whined all the time. And I was own. like, really trying to figure out, like, why do you want him back? back i'm confused because the affair her affair with him was so hot yeah know? it was super when nice hot. when yeah. he has skin on his body he's really, really hot good looking yeah he was super good looking yeah. i got it i got that part but i was just like wouldn't you be annoyed but i i'm annoyed already like we kind of have to talk about frank because he's actually the real villain of you know, yeah. we we should totally talk about frank i was actually wondering natasha do you want to do a podcast way into the future that focuses on Julia and Angelique from the fourth movie? Because that's 
That yeah. covers three of the Hellraiser films. I love so just Julia like a, in the second one. I was like, she is ballsy. She's just like, I'm cold, and then puts on a suit, and then they She dance. is not attractive. And I then, love... No, not at all. And oh, my God. <laughs> when she comes out in that big, bulky white suit, yeah, and she's, she's like, like, how do I look? What do you think? And the guy's like, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. He was, like, immediately into it. I'm like, she doesn't even have skin, bro. And she's like, whatever. Okay. And then, because I was really trying to piece it together, and after she comes out in that big, yucky suit... Then he wraps her in white gauze, and she wears that blue dress over the gauze. Yeah. And that looked silly as fuck. But when they were kissing, I am literally trying to see what is sexual about what she's doing. And to me, the first thing I thought of was she kind of looks like a... Like, she looks like I would laugh at her. (laughs) But when you go into, like, those rubber communities and the... The communities where it's like a sexual thing to just be covered with rubber. Yeah. Maybe your your whole face is covered or it's just your mouth or your eyes that's exposed. That's what they look like. Yeah. I don't know where online I saw this, but there was like a series of photos that was, um, it was like rubber play and they were, they were like Dalmatian dogs, but it was all just rubber and their face masks actually looked a lot like what she looked like. So that's how I saw her in a sexual way, but it was... It's not something that I'm into, no. but I actually saw in that moment a whole like fetish community being like that person covered in gauze, that bloody person covered that, that in gauze. Latex, I see it. Latex bondage, latex bodysuit fetish. It was interesting that she was like bossy before it was Frank. Frank was telling her what to do, and then it just became yeah. like her being like, "You need to get me a bunch of people." Something and must then have like happened. Ten people in the attic. I was like, Frank just needed three or four dudes. Oh, why no, did no, you no. need ten? That's people? why. <laughs> That's why there was so many people, because if you notice, she actually gets her own skin back. Like, she turns into herself. With oh, Frank, yeah. he they didn't have enough people, brother. so he had to yeah. take his brother's skin. That's right. I figured that out last night. I was yeah. finding out all kinds of, like, new things about Hellraiser I wasn't necessarily looking for before I saw it recently. And I actually saw it on a big, like, Blu-ray, like, flat screen TV, and so I finally realized that the puzzle box that is actually made out of wood. Because they always describe it as being made out of wood. And I'm like, well, no, it's not. Maybe the books. It looks like metal, right? It looks like metal to me, but it is actually wood in at least the first two films. They probably change it in uh, the shitty sequels. (laughs) Not going to lie. No, it's like the Indiana Jones Holy Grail. Of course it was made out of wood. Because, like, Jesus was a carpenter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's cute. Same with the puzzle box. I bet Jesus made that, too. He was like... All of humanity. Check this. <laughs> so on the the sadomasochism. Uh, Speaking of Jesus, sadomasochism. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, don't let me stop you. Um, so that the definition is giving or receiving pain. I looked up like I guess through the disorders. I actually found two characters from the first two films that actually match these disorders. So sexual sadism disorder is a mental condition involving unwilling victims. So if you think of the doctor from the second one, uh, Channard, Dr. Channard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, I'm pretty sure, gets his gratification from being around people that don't want to be around him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then... And even Frank and Julie in the first movie, I feel like it was almost implied that, like, she wasn't really into that first encounter. Like, it was a little forced. Yeah. And, uh, but that's how, like, they both are... I think yeah. that Frank is a sadomasochist. He oh, he does both because he's when he's with Julia and probably some other women, he has that sadism in him. But he 
he he gets the puzzle box because he's a masochist at that point. Like, he wants those things done to him. So the sexual masochism disorder is a medical condition where pain or or humiliation is required for sexual arousal. I feel like that's how Frank was when he got the box uh, in his hands. So I, I like I don't really get a lot of this from the films, but people online have been saying that Pinhead is into like BDSM. But when I was kind of trying to but look, he's a willing provider. He is, but when I was trying to look specifically for things that he does in the films, besides like basically being a Cenobite and doing what they do. In Hellbound, at the beginning when they show Elliot Spencer being turned into a Cenobite, they're like putting nails in his head and stuff and transforming him. And at first when he's screaming, he sounds like he's in pain. But then he's like, ooh, ah, like he's into it. So there's that. And then also in Bloodlines, there's uh, there's a scene where he's speaking with Angelique, who is a, a Cenobite. And she's just like, I don't miss it much. And he's like, are you sure? And he has these like uh, hooks on his fingers. And he's like, mm, are you sure? And he like sticks a hook like in the skin between her breasts. It looks so painful. It's like a fish hook, like yeah. between your boobs. And she's just like, ooh. And she like leans up and she's like, ooh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that scene always makes me uncomfortable because I, I would never enjoy that. Yeah. Ever. And the first one at the end when Frank basically gets caught and he's getting hooked again. Which kind of made me, like, more annoyed with him because the whole movie he's griping about how much he's in pain. I love Frank. The more that you guys are talking about him being, like, a complainer, I'm just like, ah, Frank. (laughs) So endearing. Typical Frank. It's endearing. Uncle Frank. (laughs) Uncle Frank. It's like like one of those 90s cartoon shows. Well, you know what Uncle Frank Frank. did. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of what's his character because they're just like, oh, he must be traveling. Like, whatever. (laughs) He, like, comes to the door with, like, a beer and he's like hey kids and they're like uncle frank <laughs> get out of here with your sex dolls your asian sex dolls by the end when he's getting hooked he says something and i'm just like oh so you do like this like it was, was it the jesus wept thing no he doesn't say much he he's getting hooked and right before he gets pulled apart he says something and he's like kind of laughing to himself isn't that when he says jesus wept and he's like licking his lips and stuff isn't it am i wrong no he says some because Chrissy's looking at him. Yeah, when he's getting like all hooked and she's leaving the room, and then he like says something to her. I swear to God, like, that's when he says Jesus wept. Here, I have a question for you guys. He was enjoying it. Yeah. Why is it? Because they he even behaves this way in the book. There's actually not a lot of differences between the book and the the film. But why is it that Frank straight up? kind of basically knows what's going to happen. Well, I guess he doesn't, but he tries to find the puzzle box because he's told that people from hell will come and literally release all pleasure imaginable to him. And that's what he's going for. And uh, even in the book, he's like really into it. He's He just gets like overwhelmed by everything. But when he gets brought back to life, quote unquote, with a blood, he's like not wanting to go back. He's doing everything he can to, like, be human again. And then when the Cenobites come to, to get him, I he's like, no! He only gets pain inflicted on him in that realm. And he wants to inflict pain on others. Do you think... So that's why he wants that's... to come back. He wants to be... Like, he thought... Point. He wants to give. He's tired of receiving. 
I guess that might be in the book. That's what I felt. That's why he's sinister. You know, like he wants to. I guess he like, didn't actually Julie, know when, what like, they were going to do. Julie's kind of into it. And by the time he's resurrected, he's like, ah, you're just too willing and wants yeah. the niece, you know, like yeah. just sort of, that's his thing. He's, he's ready to like raise some hell. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh. He doesn't get to. He goes back to the realm where he's no longer in control and he just has to receive. I mean, they really drive it home in the sequels and stuff. How the Cen- like pleasure for the Cenobites is like, it's only with pain and stuff like that. So I think all the Cenobites play on certain fetishes well and certain primal fears. So the Chatterer, it plays on this fear, this dentata fear. What's where that? like anything that Anything with teeth is like a dentata fear. One of the most popular is uh, vagina dentata, which is a vagina with teeth that mm-hmm. bites a dick off. Like that's the most popular dentata fear. But to have anything that's just faceless with teeth, I think even um, Pan's Labyrinth has a similar no eye guy okay. who is basically all all teeth. Mm-hmm. That sort of fear. Plays you know, it's on. usually sharp teeth, but the chatterer just has straight up teeth. Yeah, just like normal teeth, which I actually think is a lot I scarier. Think just, as, just as hard. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes longer to bite through material. Just. Ugh. Oh yeah. Um, I have seen some people talking about like like which version of the female Cenobite is more attractive. I actually saw more people saying that the original Cenobite is more. Should we name her something? I was going to say, describe her? the yeah, two. She's so just the second the one female. has the has a more flayed skull cap. Yeah. And the first one, what is her Splayed? aesthetic? Well, like she has the skin pulled off of the top of her. That's head. Angelique from the fourth one. She yeah, that must have been. It was a little bit confusing because there was we were just like it watching was a bit random confusing. clips. <laughs> the difference. I don't remember the actress's names, but in the first film, she's more masculine her. looking. Yeah, I loved her. And she she has a thicker voice and she has that thing going from like yeah she, her like, she has really interesting things on her on her face. But as far as looks goes, there's a scene in the film where she's she has kind of light hitting her a certain way that you can see she's bald, but she actually has like long wispy hair sticking out of her <laughs> head, like um like Homer Simpson almost. But I saw more people discussing how they find her more attractive than the second version of her, which was um, like a woman that's more like traditionally attractive. She has like cuter like button lips and she she's just prettier than Are the they, original. They're playing the same this, person. They, but do they have the same like makeup Are, aesthetics like or like yes. and stuff torn off? Yeah, she's okay. suppo- it's, it's just two different actresses playing the same character mm. in one movie compared to the other. And I do like her her kind of story that she comes with. Especially in the in the first the in the second film they they all just stand around and do nothing besides Pinhead so and Julia uh, and Doctor Channard but um the Chatterer I picked this up probably in high school but I I always really loved the part where in the ho- hospital room in the first film Kirsty's like really freaking out and the Chatterer just like comes at her and he sticks his two fingers into her mouth and kind of like holds her there so that like the rest of the Cenobites can like talk to her but he like he gags her he doesn't like I've never seen that in a film before yeah unless it was like a porn or something so basically what he's doing he's not choking her with his fingers he's pressing her tongue down so that she can't she's like he's like holding her jaw basically yeah. and it's so so sexy and the way i used to see it was oh why couldn't pinhead have done that like it would have been so cool if pinhead was the one to do that yeah but when i was re-watching it i also noticed that the chatterer because he can't talk right he has no like sensory stuff besides 
I'm sure you can hear, I guess. He's like yeah. a mouth finish guy where you gotta like be chewing on your nails or chewing on something. Yeah, or like yeah. those, yeah, exactly. So he's just constantly chattering, looking for something to chew on. And he also, there's like all those like sensory deprivation, like, ooh, blindfold. When you have your senses taken away, other senses are heightened. Yeah. But that scene you were talking about at the end when Frank gets pulled apart again, when they first show up on that room and Frank's like, no, not again. The chatterer, because he can't, like, speak or anything, he just kind of, like, uses his body language and stuff, and he just walks right up to Frank and, like, shoves him, but he shoves him in, like, a sex way. Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't awkward or, like, scary. It was, like, he was, like, totally cool about it, and he just, like, shoves Frank. And I was like, ooh, the chatterer. (laughs) He's, he got He can't wait. He's got moves. And I've never, I never thought this before until like this last week, but I think that the chatterer is actually like the most like sexual out of the Cenobites. And I mean, Pinhead, he talks like a good game, but yeah. I actually, I think I have a new favorite Cenobite. So the question of this podcast becomes, is Pinhead even the hottest Cenobite? Yeah, no. Well, Not even a little bit. I get, really? Oh, no. well, who's your, who's your favorite? Well, I loved... <laughs> I actually really love the female Cenobite with the, like, I yeah. thought her whole look was really cool. I think he looks cool. Like, I think he's, okay, I think he's hot, but, like, in a way that he looks cool. Yeah. But I definitely don't think he's the hottest Cenobite. I saw a lot of people pointing to his voice and his eyes being what is attractive to them about him. I like his look. His his whole, like, look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I, it was really cool. I think he has a sexy face. Um, the actor, Doug Bradley, I don't find him attractive when he is wearing all those prosthetics and uh, the skin and stuff. Yeah. I think he's so, so hot. And um, I love the way that Pinhead acts and the way he talks. A little bit of everything. A little bit taller yeah. than I than I usually go for. Yeah. But that's <laughs> fine. I think that's it too. Like he's tall, but he's not lanky. You know, he's not lanky. That's true. He's like a, he's a nice. He's like proportional. Exactly. I agree. I like the same part where he, the chatter has the like his fingers in the girl's mouth because the look on her face too. It, it she confused is horrified. me at first because she looks scared and confused. At, like, how am I supposed to feel about this? You know, if <laughs> I'm I... like, you should look more scared than you look, but you look scared, and then you're like, should I like this? Not like what's yeah, happening? <laughs> if if I didn't think that my life was in danger at that point from like really scary monsters, I would just be like, ha, oh, ha, oh, oh, hi. <laughs> like, hello. Well, you wouldn't be able to talk. I yeah. can't see your eyes. You're just like, shake your <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a handshake from where they're from. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, so I there was a couple of fetishes that I actually didn't look into. Like the most obvious one would be like body modification and things like that. I didn't really... Well, when we were talking about hooks and stuff, or like when you were saying like the hook through the breastplate, yeah. suspension fetishists would love that. And like, yeah. you know, yeah. it depends whether you get suspended from the back of the front where you actually end up getting hooked up. And that's the most obvious one. And I, I didn't, I didn't go into it really. See, some of that isn't even body mod. Some suspension, you get hooked fresh each yeah. time, which is a little more, it's pretty intense, but. uh. What I really loved from the first film was how delicate all of their hooks like on their bodies and stuff, but all the chains and stuff that, that was used, it looked so delicate and realistic and just really, I don't know. I, well, I guess delicate is the word to use, but 
It was just so well done. I loved that because nowadays, you know, it would be like, oh, thick steel, like, because that almost makes it look plastic. Because I kind of like the little hooks because it's like, you know, you get a little pain. Yeah. But we don't want to give you too much pain because mm-hmm. that would spoil the main event of when we pull you apart kind of thing. It's yeah. like, yeah. Ugh. You guys are really creeps who have thrown yeah. this out. You've had years to perfect this. I, yeah, I think the first movie is the real, like, masterpiece of the yeah. series. As far as the, like, the art that I've seen online, like, the fan art and stuff, there's two two types of fan art that I've run into. A lot of it is from deviantart.com, which somehow is still a website that people use. We just lost all of our DeviantArt listeners. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm it's sorry. a legitimate art sharing website. No, it's totally legit. I just, I remember it from like 2002 or something. It's like, it's like still a thing. So that was a cell phone. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Um, this attracts, so let's talk about the silly art first. So there's a lot of silly art out there Well, where um they like to draw like Chibi Pinhead and he has just like, hearts surrounding him and he gets in all all these cutesy shenanigans <laughs> and there's this like he is kind of the least threatening of the cenobites like it's like i think so he talks the most he something hangs very out. like outwardly aggressive about how some of the other ones are cut up whereas with the pins in the head it's a very industrial sort of there's a more yeah, he's less slavery glory. imagery to it than yeah. a sadomasochism imagery to it. Yeah. it's He's a very strange looking character to make him do cutesy things. It's interesting to see how people interpret a bald character <laughs> hmm. um, and where to place the eyes on a bald character. But um, he there's a lot of Pinhead getting into shenanigans with the other kind of 80s, 80s Hollywood monsters whatever and then and then the other the flip side of that is there's a lot of art that's very bloody and gory and i know that there is an an official name for this but i just kind of called it like it's like sex gore i guess but it's art because you absolutely can't do this in real life that's extremely illegal but it's a lot of this is coming out of japan because that's where i've seen it the most it's it's usually kind of younger people that are amputated or in the process of like they just have oh, like I've heard of that. yeah they're usually nude or partly nude and they have like they're being stabbed and they're crying. It's popular and it's, it's some crazy violence. It's porn. very disturbing. It's extreme. It's the most extreme violence. It's like it's like if you took the Saw films and drew them, but also had a very heightened like sexual aspect to it and (laughs) strangely enough i've seen a lot of it coming out of the rick and morty fandom right now that's so funny there's a lot of morty art where he is just laying in puddles of blood and he's like crying (laughs) it's so disturbing to talk about but um but there's like hellraiser art that is obviously similar to that and it's very different from the little cutesy pinhead giving a valentine to like kirsty (laughs) (laughs) on valentine's day for their anniversary (laughs) i mean there is some pretty dark stuff that people are willing to do in the extreme there is uh genital mutilation porn which isn't just piercing that's scary because that's real oh wait naked yeah i mean there's stuff like cutting open Oh, this oh, this is where it gets really not safe for work, I suppose. <laughs> like, you know, cutting open the... Put your headphones like, on. <laughs> cutting open the scrotum and, like, letting the balls, like, hang free. Like, there's some crazy mutilation that people apparently get away with, too. Like, and you're talking about 
art of this? No, I'm talking no, about people like, actually like do doing this. it. Yeah. And this is photography or just things that you hear people Someone's doing? Someone's there to take pictures, apparently, because there yeah. are pictures. And is this in other countries or is this like oh, in... this is all over. I don't know if this is illegal technically so I don't know where this goes on because this is unless they're doing self-mutilation is not really illegal so yes it is if you're doing it to yourself it's voluntary yeah I don't know what point you have to get off to get off on this but I don't know the answer to that on some other fetishes okay. I didn't actually know about what you're talking about right now that's really yeah. interesting I only knew about the amputee thing because I saw it on Chrono Minds and I was like is that a thing and then I looked it up, and it's a thing. Like. Yeah, this is this is like these are under the these are under the the like category of like extreme perversion. Yeah, and it's not extreme because it's like so it's extreme because of the lengths you have to go through to like heal up afterwards. Like it's it's some tricky shit. You know, getting torn apart kind of lets you play into that fetish a little bit without having to go get hooks in your skin or. There's an IT crowd episode. <laughs> I love it. Uh, like bring it back to like a really tame. nice they tame. Meet, <laughs> they meet a guy who wants to, he's trying to meet up with someone who will let him kill them, which <laughs> is illegal. And that, that has actually happened That's a couple of times. A, a, in Germany a couple of times. So it's interesting that they did a comedy series episode on this subject, but it's Moss. If you're, if you, if anyone's yeah, familiar with IT crowd, but Moss goes to this guy's house because he misinterprets what he means by coming over and hanging out. And the guy's like, oh, I invited you over to let me kill you. Like, do I have your consent? And he's like, no, but they really want to watch a movie. And the yeah. guy who wants to kill him has this big, nice living room with a big, nice TV. And he's like, I don't want you to kill me, but can we watch a movie instead? And the guy's like, sure. And then <laughs> the other guy, I forget his name, the one that's not Moss. Oh, but he name? comes over yeah. and the guy's like, oh, can I kill you? Can I murder you? And he's like, actually, I just want to watch a movie. And he's like, we can do that. And so the three of them watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like, he thought it meant, the wording was weird because he's like cooking something. Yeah. It was something or ha- about cooking. Have and you then, for dinner. Or yeah. Like can that. I have, yeah, it was something like that. Can I have you for dinner or something? And he assumed it was just like, oh, this guy just wants to cook someone dinner and yeah. we can watch this movie over there <laughs> see the legal implications of the uh the cannibalism cases in germany have been hard because it's like they were on a forum and they were they talked out in specific contract i am allowing you to kill me eat me and like that's what i want to happen to me that's what yeah. you want to do to me and they, but like, it's still not legal but they still well yeah they still well, face yeah. a murder charge in the end and yeah. then, i'm not saying that they shouldn't i don't think it's a great idea no, it's not. A but great like idea. that's when you but, take I mean, the fetish at, to the at, very end of it. Like at that point, that's where you get your lawyers involved, wouldn't it? Like just get a legal contract going. A couple of months back, there was a. There was like, a lawyer, I don't think I know a lawyer who would touch that because then you, as a lawyer, you actually become an accomplice to murder. By, yeah. Like writing up that contract. How would that even work? Wow, that's so Did crazy. Did you see um, that video that was all over Facebook like last month? I want to say it was. It was a guy in Australia who did this whole thing, and he's just like, we're going to get as close as we can to eating human flesh today. I'm going to take a bit out of my own leg. And they did. He went to the doctor, and they sucked. They stuck a tube in his leg, and they filmed it, and they pulled out a chunk of his muscle. I know. I would never. Oh, my God. That makes me cringe so um, crazy. And so, and he was like a really young, like, good-looking guy. And they he had, like, a food specialist with them. They took his meat 
and they cooked it and it looked like a little piece of beef, like ground beef. Oh, yeah. And they were like smelling it and they're like, smells really good. The guy whose like leg meat it was, he's like, so if I eat this right now, I would go to jail or whatever. And he was like, yeah, we can't eat this. And he's like, smells darn good though. <laughs> looked, Why go through all that it? trouble if you can't even just do it? Just to see. It was just like a little like, hey, let's cook my That's leg insane. meat. insane. Like, <laughs> even Eric is like, doing like a sour face why, right now. No, if I'm, I'm just going very through, contemplative. It's like why, like the, if you, you're gonna go through all that trouble, like why not be in a it's place the where you eat can your eat own meat? meat? Like I yeah. thought cannibalism, like make someone else else's. Like, no, yeah. you can't do it. I At least the reason I wouldn't do why it is not that, go like, to a country where that where you could do that. Yeah, it is interesting. They they did this in Australia, so it was like right there. He's just. I mean, I feel like going, if you can afford to pay a doctor to take out a piece of your own, he meat, could just go into the bathroom that, and eat it, and no one would ever know. The reason no I wouldn't do that is like, known. so the instant that you eat human flesh, you actually contract something in your gums. Really? Immediately. So How do you know that? I just from reading. All from right. reading weird okay. stuff. Catch, we'll catch up on that later, Markella. <laughs> but the instant that you eat human flesh, more. your gums start to rot in a certain way. Um, like you basically... You just ruined the movie Ravenous for me. A little bit. But that's how you can tell a cannibal is from their, their teeth and their gums. Like, because of that thing that happens. Hannibal Lecter had gorgeous teeth. I know. It's probably because that actor wasn't really a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does it say about tribes that are cannibals? That's I guess they first saw that teeth easy. thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right, because there well, are. Well, I find that really what interesting it says about because those tribes what is that we... that's just what they've done for years. Yeah, so that's why it's not illegal there, and that's part of their ceremonies. And uh... well, that's what I find so interesting is like what's weird for us isn't weird for them at all. They're like we eat humans all the time. I know, but they truly, they truly believe that everything, like you know, like the uh, the Krishna cult and other cults, like once the soul leaves that body, like that physical body is. It's not sacred or anything. Yeah. That's why we bury our dead and cremate our dead. We like feel that there's like some sort of sacred aspect to the corporeal form. Other tribes are like, meh, the yeah. useful part of you has left. And now you give on to us what is useful to us, which is protein and bones. carbohydrates that and makes bones. Sense, and, like, though, but it I, does make it sense. makes sense to me for yeah. sure. I think it just makes you anemic or something. I'm trying to remember what specifically you Well, just because our bodies aren't like... We weren't conditioned to eat. Is it like that with animals too, I wonder? With other animals? Yeah, cannibal. There are some... The animals that have evolved to be cannibalistic, the praying mantis and other cannibalistic, I don't think it affects them. But humans, we weren't. Have you seen... We're supposed to be a social animal. Have you seen a movie called Bleeders? (laughs) No. No. Bleeders. It's Redger Hauer and... Is there a villain? The guy... Not really. The guy... (laughs) He was from oh, the 90s. We could do Ravenous. Oh, that villain. We'll oh. do ra- We will totally do Ravenous. But the vil- the guy from La Femme Nikita, the 90s La Femme Nikita. Oh, I loved that. He was so good looking. Anyway, uh, that's a movie about cannibals. Anyway, um, <laughs> so strangely enough, there are no Hellraiser porn parodies. I was assuming there was. I did too. In fact, I haven't looked up anything like this since we did the Freddy Krueger podcast. But I was like, oh, there's got to be for this, and there is not. Because it's there's tricky like because, a... you know, you could do like a Hellraiser one that's very much about like the unwilling and do kind of, you know... Well, Hellraiser is about sex. Like, it's a horror film about sex. But I feel like... Yeah. there's do, no porn. To do a Hellraiser porn, you either have to do simulated rape or you have to do 
gore-based or, you know, And like you'd think that would be hoax, out there. Yeah, you totally... Yeah. The thing is... I think it might be out there, but some of it might be kind of snuff. Like the little, <laughs> like the little one-off, like porn scenes that people film. There wasn't even anything like that. That I, from what I saw, and um, there was there is a three film series called Hellraiser, Hellraiser Two, Hellraiser Three, but it's it has nothing to do with the films. It's just called that, and it's about like demon like seances and like stuff like that with like oh, candles, weird, and, and cloaks and stuff. So it really it has nothing, nothing to, do to do with it. it. Yeah. Oh. But I did see on Twitter there was some Hellraiser fans that are talking about not wanting to do one, but hoping that one kind of comes, comes about. It seems so weird considering it how many, weird. like, I mean, you literally can find anything. There's so much you could do. <laughs> There's so much you could do with a Hellraiser porn <laughs> You put random words together with, fuck, you can almost find anything. <laughs> <laughs> truck. <laughs> Fucking a truck. You'll find a dude sticking his dick in something that resembles a car. Self video of a dude sticking his dick in anything. It's happening. There is that rule thirty five. Like doc, that's not documentary, sad but because wait, what? The, that, it's rule sad. Because <laughs> yeah, some of the rule number sad. Make me sad. Yeah. Well, no, there was a show that was like it was on A or something, but there was actually a guy who was like in love. People who were in love and inanimate objects, and his was his car, and his dad was just like, I don't get it. I must but have mentioned like, this on a podcast. Super before. in love with his car, and he would like have very intimate moments. Oh, maybe I think we, we were talked about, about this. it during uh, Freddy Krueger when we were talking about the motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Some. Some. I. I want to say it's, it's Saturday Night Live, but that's yeah. definitely a thing where men. Yeah have sex with cars that's a thing that's oh, in there's our kids in the hall media about car fuckers yeah. oh really yeah yeah does not surprise me we actually watched for our weird movie night we did southland tales uh which is by the same guy that does donnie darko hmm. uh, and there's uh some car on car action in that film mm-hmm. <clears throat> surprise- well it kind of surprised Christine me that there's finally no gets hers. that's a car about or that's a car <laughs> that's a car about a film in love with a guy <laughs> That is a film where it's a car that is in love with a human man. And the man kind of gets possessed. I don't like that movie. I, I thought it was okay. I, I don't know the, why I thought I had to say the that. The book but. was really creepy <laughs> and the film I thought was pretty creepy. But like, that's when I started to understand the 80s movie aesthetic was like, Christine, I was like, oh, you can just kind of do this music and people are like, ah. <laughs> 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 But it was in the 90s when I was watching that. So I was like, obviously, like, there was a little better horror at that point yeah better suspense um, i uh like i do like i do i went into the tumblr tags for um kind of all the like girlish squealing over pinhead and um some of my favorite tags i collected this time was can i guess one is pin me on there no oh. you always come up with these like witty puns <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, there was a tag uh, that read, I had some major boner on this fucker, not gonna lie. <laughs> My love, honestly, Pinhead is such a babe. Husband, bae, hottie. Oh, I'm sorry. Hottie McFuck sauce and <laughs> my king. <laughs> There's so many... We're so like, in love. <laughs> I imagine that subs love the Cenobites because they just want to... It's like, yeah. oh, can you imagine submitting to Pinhead? <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, it's a dream, you know? So yeah. I'm going to show this to you guys, and I, I'm i going to get your opinion, but I'm pretty sure we shouldn't actually... I can uh, give out the URL to 
to link people to this, but I actually have this art that's attached to something that I want to read from someone. Uh, this is a, a Tumblr, U Tumblr URL, The Bearded Professor. He wrote something really amazing, which is exactly what I've been looking for when I like go out and like look for what people have to say about the villains that we cover. And um, this is the fan art that I believe he drew himself. But Eric, you were just discussing like, I bet subs love the Cenobites. Okay, this is pornographic. <laughs> but he drew this. That's him with Pinhead. <laughs> so it's a picture of a man being dominated by a Pinhead. And we can pretty much leave it at that, I suppose. He's in a yeah. he's in it's a, well drawn, good shading. He's yeah. in a he's in a dog position and Pinhead just kind of has his hand kind of resting on his head like a good dog type deal. I mean maybe Alan can blur it. I kinda I like that he modernized it. Pinhead's suit because that's a yeah, that's a so different that's model of uh yeah. Dom oh, it is. gear. That is a mm. that's something. The chest I, is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so but he had a lovely, lovely, lovely um description of how he went through Hellraiser. So I'm gonna read it. Um actually I'm so bad at reading. Do you one of you guys wanna read it? I can read it. Okay. I just got, reading. so the last podcast we did, everyone was reading so like fluently and naturally. And I'm just like, you'd think I'd have practice from reading since we've started this podcast, but I suck at it. All right. <laughs> the bearded professor, Hellraiser awakened me sexually. And because of which I can trace back 90% of my fetishes and kinks to that deliciously twisted film by Clive Barker. By the time I was approaching my teens, I had already established a fondness for the macabre. My parents wouldn't yet let me watch horror movies out of fear that the content would warp me, so I was relegated to watch <laughs> old Universal monster movies and whatever B-flicks aired up on Elvira's movie macabre, MST3K, oh, or USA's Up All Night. However... Everything changed when I turned 11, because that's when I got a TV for my bedroom. Suddenly, late-night HBO opened me up to a world of Tales from the Crypt, Ripley fighting Xenomorphs, Ash, Freddy and Jason, and Hellraiser. My god, that movie was like a wet dream come to life. Don't get me wrong, it was, is, cre cheesy, and campy as fuck. Frank cut Julia's bra strap with a switchblade, for Christ's sake. Total Harlequin romance novel level shit, but I loved it. A shirtless, hairy-chested Frank on his knees, surrounded by candles. The Cenobites, fully clad in black, leather S&M gear. The chains. The hooks. The blink-and-you-miss-it, male frontal nudity. Julia, bringing men home to feed Frank. The monologues about sins of the flesh. The aspect of punishment. The bloody kisses. Jesus, fuck, that was a hot movie, and I rubbed <laughs> off many a load to it. Little did I know that much like Frank, I would fall down the rabbit hole that is Pinhead and his puzzle box, the result of which can fill, can still be felt to this day. Can fill. Can fill. I was like, where can is Can fill many a long night with, yeah, I got you, man. <laughs> well, that was delightful. Yeah, and I, yeah. I was, like, so excited. That's the kind of, when I was talking he... about, like, the taboo parts of the movie, there's so much taboo where like Julia, I think, you know, was unwilling and kind of kind of got taken advantage of in that affair, but yeah. was like turned on by that. And so was like a very willing uh, participant, a willing sub by the end. And oh. That's not what Frank wanted when he was resurrected. Like there's a lot of very taboo, uncomfortable things that get brought up in that first movie. Like all the themes are just 
you would cringe if you weren't into that scene and someone was going through it, I think. Yeah, I wonder yeah. how Hellraiser runs by someone who is, I hate to use the word vanilla, but just someone who isn't around a lot of this kind of stuff and they watch Hellraiser. Number yeah. one, it is, it's actually a really kind of visceral, gross horror film. But then there's a lot of like weird sex stuff in it too. So I, I would love to watch it with someone that's <laughs> not used to this kind of stuff and see yeah. what happens. Uh, yeah, everything is very sexually charged because Frank opens the box to get his rocks off. Julia's bringing him back to life because she got her rocks off so hard when he kind of forced himself on her in that mm -hmm. affair and she wants to go back to that kind of not having control and the Cenobites are there for their version of what sex they're, is. They're keeping yeah. a, the order of collecting souls going and so they they get their rocks off collecting souls but in order to do that people need to fall into that trap yeah and when people yeah. escape they get pissed larry's a sexaholic god he's i hate him larry the dad the gross oh, dad. Oh, the dad was weird. Yeah. He was so weird. So the, the the bearded professor, though, he wrote this, I don't know how many, like maybe a year ago even, but he, he, he wrote this, he posted this really beautiful art, which I'm pretty certain that he did himself. And this post actually has like 570 notes on it. It's, it's pretty popular. And so if you do want to see the art that he did that we will not be posting, probably, um, <laughs> the, the way to find that is the-bearded-professor.tumblr.com slash tagged slash pinhead or slash hellraiser. I'm pretty sure we'll link you directly to this art that he did. That's actually really, really cool. What else is there? Uh, food? Pinhead food? Or not yet? Hmm. Maybe like a latticework pie with like... What? Do, how would you describe? What has pins in the... Or dirts. Or dirts. <laughs> That's the only cheesecake thing I can think bites. Of. He's cheese. Like, he's a plate of cheesecake yeah, bites. Because you're just getting a small meal. Because of the toothpick. What's more, like you're hungry for something. Yeah. And all they have is like these tiny little foods with like toothpicks. The torture. The torture. It's totally Pinhead's <laughs> game. Or just like a little, like a little shitty block of cheese cake that you just skewer. He's with cake it. pops. Oh, yes, cake pops. Those are awful. They're such a monstrosity. They I, are. I'm going to go Why with like, popular? remember that licorice that's just like string? What about like a string of black licorice? Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of looks like his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> he would be kind of licorice. Yeah. Plus eating it would be kind of sadomasochistic of me because I hate black licorice, but I'd be like, oh, but it's pinhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a pop tart because you know or not pop tarts but hot pockets because they're like molting hot lava on the inside mm. so when you eat them it like kills you but nourishes you is the there time. do they have hot pockets with um black olives in them maybe i don't think they try to put too much of anything like a fancy nutritious. hot pocket he's probably yeah, like a fancy hot pocket yeah that you microwave so that you're basically like murdering your mouth and then you just like shove it down your throat really mm -hmm. fast because you like deserve melts it. It melts everything. Your throat closes together. And you're like, oh, this is so hot. It, it literally yeah. burns me. <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> okay. Punishment would have to be involved there. Yeah. Maybe and like then, sea urchin. Sea urchin's very spiky, right? Didn't yeah. you say... A very acquired taste. Mm. You said sea urchin for something else at Did one I? point. Did I? Yeah. Like sea urchin, like... Sea urchin's my go-to. <laughs> it's the villain <laughs> of food. Fairly. 
it, it looks like because he has the pins in his face. That does make yeah. sense. I nailed it with Searchin this time. You see, if nailed I just do Searchin every time, you... I'll be good like half the time. Eric, you nailed it with Searchin. Oh, nailed <laughs> it. Maybe it's not pinhead. like a specific food, but like a, what do you call those things? An what urban you... light. And... <laughs> what do you call those things? <laughs> You know the urban legends where they would stick like needles in candy for Halloween candy? It was razors in my community. Yes, razors. There we go. So he's like a, he's like a, some idiot sticking needles in Halloween candy? No, he is the candy. He's pain wrapped in pleasure. Like, like you were expecting pleasure. Oops. And because you have to go to a different dimension to get him. So you have to, it has to be Halloween to get these like candies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're all, and they have like, they have razor blades and shit in it. So you're thinking Snickers. And you're like, ah, just ripped my mouth open. (laughs) Those are all awesome. Even the shitty like uh, He's so the many toothpick, <laughs> the toothpick orders. That's just the visual to. thing we came to first, yeah. but then it got deep. No, it's good. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I I actually want to tell you guys how old I was when I saw Hellraiser. Uh, so I was four, <laughs> and I th- I'm pretty sure I was four because this so was. So the nightmares have been a long time. It was very scary. It, the reason why I didn't, I don't think I actually rewatched Hellraiser until I was in middle school, and then I got into it in high school. Um, because I, I have a uh, needle shock, which is, uh, I, I guess I'm pretty sure it's like a dis, well, it's like a phobia. So even talking about syringes and needles, like in a serious fashion, like talking about me having that done to me medically, oh, I'm getting it right now. I start to shake and my body goes into like a mode where I can't handle it. So I should probably stop talking about it because I'm actually getting it right No, now. no, you'll just go into seizures and no, we'll I know. end the podcast. We well, <laughs> no, it turns me into like, I'll like almost throw up or something. Oh, do you go pins yeah. and needles? Anyway, anyways. Anyway, when I was four, I was at a babysitter's house and in the living room, they were watching Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. And I actually- Oh, so many needles in that movie. Well, yeah. And I actually, the scene that I remember seeing first was towards the beginning when um, Channard is doing the open surgery on the lady's uh, head and he has like the machine thing. And I was not into that. So I hung out in the kitchen and the kitchen was really boring. And I remember kind of going back and forth, like walking through the living room of my babysitter's house. And I remember seeing the Cenobites and seeing Pinhead and the female Cenobite. And I remember Wait, you seeing saw the, the second big... movie first then. I did. Yeah, okay, I saw that okay. one first. Because this was like, that came out in 87, 88, 89, 90. So it was in like 1990 when I saw it. And I was very interested in what was happening on the screen, but I was very scared of it. And so when I was a when I was a child, I, I think I got into horror films when I was like explain taboos like in a sentence. I was really? interested, but I was scared of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Um, but because I wasn't into movies, I think at all before I was like four. But especially, so I would say like between four and five, when we went to the video store, I would go off on my own to pick movies. But I would until I was called away from it, I would sit in the horror film section and then I would just stare at the movie covers. And Hellraiser, I would always stare at the Hellraiser movies. The Hellraiser, Halloween, and oh, I just, someone on Letterboxd just saw this film. Damn, I forgot what it's called. Oh, I think it's called Gothic. And on the cover is like a woman that she's wearing like a skimpy dress and she's like fallen over and there's like a little cherub demon like hunched over her chest and he's like going like this and he looks like a little like demon child. Mm-hmm. I used to stare at that cover. It's called Gothic. It has Julian Sands in it and... um some other actor I really like. Anyway, um, 
me and Hellraiser go way back. The subject matter is provocative. All the characters are very messed up. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Pinhead, our villain of the day, who's at the end of this conversation, still kind of not very much villain. He's such a gentleman. Later on, he's even a gentleman when he's more of a villain. Like he's still always like ready to cut some deals and like play games. Like for all the telling people he doesn't want to play any more games, he sure plays a lot of games. The other, I know, oh, for sure. But the other Cenobites seem more like unruly, which is probably why he leads them in the first place. He's like their boss. So he can just like reel them back and oh, so, so nice. So it's such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it is. And who are, so next month we're doing Daisy Domergu. So if anyone wants to send in some Daisy Domergu from The Hateful Eight, uh, any uh, Creep Corner stories, we didn't get any uh, this month. And if you want to send those to us, you can send them to hotbadpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page. We post a lot of like pictures and stuff there. Uh, I kind of stopped posting things other than pictures, but I want to get into that again. Just like little like tidbits and facts and like cute little like art that people make and things like that. We do that on the Tumblr page and and we'll keep working on Twitter page, the Instagram, and Twitter. I don't know how to. I don't know anything about Instagram, so someday the Instagram. <laughs> it's a morass. It's what? It's a swamp of unknown. So anyway, so yeah. So Jennifer Jason Lee from Hateful Eight, Daisy Domergu. She's so adorable in that movie. I'm so excited. Have you seen Hateful Eight? No. Woo! I'm excited. I'll be watching it for the first time as well. Yeah, no, I haven't seen Hateful Eight at all. Okay. Yeah, so see you guys. That just came out, didn't it? It did. Say goodbye. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us this time. (laughs) 